This podcast contains material that is intended for mature audiences and may not be suitable for all listeners. Enjoy. The whole joke about Keystone is that it's like having sex in a canoe and that it's effing close to water. Oh, goodness. Podcast brought to you by the TailgateSociety.com. Sponsored probably by Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce. The best goddamn barbecue sauce on the no- in the known universe. I did it again. Last week I said on. This week I said on. I'm, I'm going to get this right eventually, but in the known universe. Found at Fairway, locallymarket.com, Amazon, Hy-Vee, and DeadeyeBarbecueSauce.com, I believe. So, we're back with another episode. Uh, appreciate all you people listening in once again with us. And uh, we've got a, another very special guest this week. And I'm going to kick it over to Mr. JT, who is in Studio 3, to introduce her. Yeah, we got Nicole. I'm going to mess it up. Now that we've all said it. <laughs> Nicole Gustafson here. She's one of the OG members here of the... Uh, of the Tailgate Society. She's been around for a while. Uh, Cubs fan, writes a lot of articles, uh, a wide variety of topics. I know she's done things on MTV Challenge before. Uh, I know she did, oh God, I forgot what the name was, a couple of basketball things. And yeah, she's been around for a while and she likes beer. She enjoys us enough to join us on the podcast and we're happy to have her. I'm happy to be here. Thanks, JT. I believe one of her claims to fame in TGS lore is that she was part of the longest drunk dialing episode ever. That is probably like, true. I think like it was like three, three and a half hours. <laughs> I got I got through about what? maybe an hour of listening to that before I'm like, I have other things to do. <laughs> That's fair, yeah. I mean, honestly, you didn't miss much. <laughs> I forget when was this. This is fairly recent, wasn't it? It was... Um, like a month ago, ago maybe. I was going to say, yeah. Coronavirus. Okay. Yeah, when no one had anything to do, so we all just got home and got shit faced. Yeah. Like, when the funny thing was, like, I, I can't speak for Tammy or Smith, but I was not that drunk. I'd only had a couple of beers, and our call in number didn't work for people, so we didn't even have any callers. There's really no excuse oh, wow. for it being that long. We just talked the shit for like three hours. Oh, I, I was on there for a little while. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we did have a couple of people. Yeah, you were one of them. A couple of people got through. So I think Smith reached the the call in like halfway through, but most people had already given up. Yeah, I think it was. I was in there for like forty five minutes or something. I'm like, this is going to keep going. I'm out. See ya. That's <laughs> fair. <laughs> but uh, the first thing I want to ask you, and I'm, I'm going to ask you this question because I I teased it before the pod here. Gustafson, mm-hmm. are you related? It's such a ridiculous question. It really is. Are you related to the grumpy old man Gustafson from the movie? No. Have you seen Grumpy Old Men? No. Oh, I can't. <laughs> That's what I was worried about. So, uh, because you're you're young and I am old, 
Jack Levin, Walter Matthau. Yes. Takes place in Minnesota. It's a Minnesota movie. Uh, If you ever want to see two grumpy old men, as is the title of the movie, I think uh, basically bicker with everyone, watch it. It's funny. I'm pretty sure this is called You and Me, Aaron. Why it came to mind is because I aspire (laughs) to be a grumpy old man someday. I'm currently a bitter unit, and someday I want to be a grumpy old man. My wife says I'm the grumpiest 41-year-old she knows. So I hope know. to meet her someday then. Yeah. So she's fantastic because, I don't know, she puts up with me. So, you know, there's that. So now that I've gotten my one really dumb question out of the way, <laughs> because I just had to ask. <laughs> no, uh, I get it a lot. I always joke that Gustafson is like just, random enough or uncommon enough that everybody thinks you might be related to some other Gustafson than they know, but it's, it's more common than you think, especially um, in Illinois, which is where most of my family is. So, Right. Right on. So, so why, don't you, why don't you actually, you know, JT gave you an introduction, but why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? I live in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, been here most of my life. Um, pretty much all the time that I can remember. I went to Iowa State for college, so I follow Iowa State sports. Um, Otherwise, pretty much Chicago sports teams, with the exception of um, I'm an NFL Green Bay Packers fan. So, um, I don't know. I, I like beer. I like sports, weightlifting, hanging out with my friends. I'm a pretty average girl. The reason we had you on as one of our first guests, Nicole, was because you talk about going to breweries and road tripping and, and visiting the places around Iowa and all of that uh, in our Slack channel and, and whatnot. And so we want to be able to, you know, touch on that, that kind of stuff some. So what is maybe your favorite styles of beer? Let's start there. You know, what, do you, what, what are your go-tos? Um, I would say I like beers with a lot of um, something extra. The more bold flavors, I would say. Um, I like sours, stouts, nipas, or hazies, as we'll get into more later. Um, I mean, I will drink pretty much anything. Um, After those three, I would say some more like saisons, cream ales, your basic IPA, um, yeah, those are, those are pretty much where I land usually. Um, I'm very fortunate to have a group of friends that also love beer as much as I do. Um, so we kind of make going to different breweries our little, like, friends road trips. And we all get together and we drive around the state or, like, very close surrounding Midwestern cities and just kind of make a weekend of it trying to go to as many different breweries as our livers will allow and trying everything in sight. Have you made it to Omaha yet to do a trip or not yet? I have not personally. Some of my friends have gone um, when I didn't make it, but um, I've been to the Sioux City area in Iowa. I've been to Cedar Rapids, Des Moines, obviously, because I live here in Kansas City. Right on. Uh, so 
one of the questions we've asked, actually, I don't think we asked Michael, but we asked everybody else uh, that we've had on so far is uh, if you were stranded on a desert island, what three to five beers would you need to have with you? Hmm. All right. Let me pull up the dreaded untapped app because I have a terrible memory. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Tim Tim's well known for <laughs> just liking untapped. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I have unfortunately made everyone afraid to admit that they use untapped. <laughs> I only do it to track which ones that I have um actually had. Mm-hmm. So let's see. I'm not I don't usually like buy a lot of the same beer over and over again. I really like to try new things constantly. Um, and then like, I, I'm a single person who lives alone. So anything I buy, I have to drink myself. So <laughs> there's certain limitations to that. Um, gosh, I would say my favorite beers or my favorite breweries from Des Moines Barntown, Lua, and Brightside. So I definitely pick one um, from each of those places. Um, the Barntown has a bunch of um, kind of a series that they call like the drive-ins. They've had Tangerine and Raspberry. I know um, Tangerine was like a, a hazy IPA, I believe, that had obviously a little bit of Tangerine flavor in it. So I'm going to say that one from Barntown. Um, Brightside does these um, beers that they call Slammers. They're fruited, obviously, and um, just really, like, light and drinkable. So my favorite one from them is the Royal Slammer. It's um, made with red berries, blueberries, raspberry, probably. I don't know. Um, so that's definitely one of my favorites. Lua... Um, they have a push pop series that I really like. They're supposed to be like inspired by um, the popsicle push pop. And so, if I didn't pick one of their, those, though, they when they first opened, they had a fruited sour called Baby Blues Sedan. It was also made with red berries. That's kind of a theme with me. I love my red berries, um, but it was really really good. So those are three. Let's see. You gotta get a stout in there. That might be one from Bond Town as well. Go through my photos. I don't know. I might not be able to give you five because I well, don't. Right. Like Three, five, whatever. Yeah. Well, I can talk about what I like all day. I think, <laughs> speaking of while she's looking though, Tim, or I, I've never been on Untapped. I know you guys have, obviously. Uh, yep. I've never done it. Um, do you, are you required to rate the beer if you check it in? You are not required to rate the beer. Okay, no. so maybe somebody here not named me <laughs> should do one for the pod so we can keep track of the beers we've had on the pod. There you go. And check that out. That's a bad idea. There's a yeah. way to, to do that. Um, that way we don't ever, we can't. When we get to episode a thousand and we're all millionaires, <laughs> we can look back and say, "Oh yeah, we've done that one," or "No, we haven't done that one." So did Bright? Did Brightside used to be Wingnut? I have no idea. 
think I, it's, it's, yeah, it's I don't in know. Altoona, right? Like in a, yeah. like in a really, it's like, really like by a, it's yes. just like down this kind of frontage road from Hy-Vee and there's like a and dentist it's right office. By, uh, pizza, it looks like uh, a strip mall. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. They used to be Wingnut. I actually got one of their t-shirts just because they spelled nut with two T's. I'm like, I like this place, but their beer was, <laughs> that's when they first started. They were, they were pretty rough back then, but they came back as bright side and I've been able to go back. But once everything opens up here again, I definitely want to check them out because it's right by uh pizza ranch, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And of course it's on a diagonal street because it's Altoona and that's what Altoona does. <laughs> For those of you guys that don't know in Altoona, maybe you guys do know because you're from Iowa, everything is northwest or southeast because literally everything is cockeyed in that town. In I've more ways than one. In more ways than one, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I've never really noticed that because I don't go to Altoona much, but I do know whenever I put right side in my GPS, I have to choose the one with the direction because Google tells you that there's no direction to the street. It's just like center street or whatever. But yeah. there is when you put it in the GPS. I would say for a fourth one, I would pick the Aurox Delt from Alluvial in Ames. Ooh, probably yeah, I dig Olivia. Olivia was really good. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's four. I don't want you to have to think any harder. Than <laughs> that. So that was obviously difficult for you. <laughs> but I would guess that you, that if you don't buy the same thing twice very often, you've had tons and tons of beers. So I'm sure narrowing it down is difficult. Well, I think you've all probably seen the the picture I posted once of my fridge. I have quite a bit of beer in there. <laughs> there's, it's literally to the point where like I have beer in my produce drawers. I don't, I can't put my produce <laughs> in the places they're supposed to go. <laughs> did, did you guys see that, that, that picture the other day of a, uh, a grocery store that had replaced the salad in their salad bar with a bunch of booze? Yes. Salad bars might not be a thing anymore. They might not be able to do that from a from no. a standpoint. I know, but but booze is a natural antiseptic, so that's the yes, perfect replacement, frankly. Uh, <laughs> I, and I'm I'm gonna say that Nicole, you absolutely do, based off of the types of beers that you like, have produce in your produce drawers. Because they probably all have fruit in them of some sort. That's true. <laughs> yeah. so. I drink a lot of fruit here. <laughs> so don't feel bad about it. It's healthy. It's got servings of fruit in it. <laughs> it's just not a whole tangerine. It's some juice and a beer. You gotta pace yourself. <laughs> so Nicole, what uh, what were you drinking in college? Uh gosh. Um, my, I mean, just craft beer or like. In general, <laughs> and the fact that you were drinking craft beer in college is already like ten steps ahead of myself. Well, I mean, I'm 29, so this wasn't like a long, long time ago. Um, I I think my two gateway beers that I drank a lot of were Keystone Light and Line and Kugel Summer Shandy. So, like pure water and <laughs> a, a very good gateway, like nicer beer. <laughs> sure. Um, but after that, I mean, I went through some Blue Moon a little bit. I would drink Coors Light. Pretty much those four. 
or what I drank in college. Blue Moon is definitely one of those beers, like you said, the gateway beer. Blue Moon is one of those beers that has really introduced a lot of people to the American craft beer movement, and I, I absolutely uh, even credit that beer myself. Keith Via is an amazing brewer. Uh, I'm probably one of the most underappreciated American brewers right now. So that that beer, I absolutely feel like, is a good gateway for everyone. Um, I don't know if I would call Keystone. I mean, Keystone for me is really when you're going for like pure quantity. Like there's nothing at all keeping you from just cracking open a new one. Like. Um, the, one taste, of, the taste is what's keeping me from cracking. To me, it tastes like nothing. Sure. So, um, like my last semester of college, I I don't know, I had a tough week or something, and I went to the store, bought a twelve pack of Keystone, and at about number nine, I remembered that I had to work the next morning, but I kind of already decided that I wanted to finish the whole twelve pack, so I did. Well, but it's it, the whole joke about Keystone is that it's like having sex in a canoe, and that it's effing close to water. <laughs> it basically is, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Oh goodness. Gee, Chuck. Have you guys had out great. the Keystone that they came out with? It's like raspberry lime or something. They basically tried to do their own version of Natterday. Okay. That would make sense, yeah. because aren't they, wouldn't they be trying to compete against Natty Ice and Natty anyway? Like Natty, like that's kind of, yeah. It was okay. Like, you can definitely still tell that it's Keystone, but, and Natterdays is better. But, I mean, it's, it's drinkable. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I have this feeling that you that, have you had beers that you find undrinkable? Um, yes. I, <laughs> I my grandpa doesn't drink beer anymore, but when I was around college age, early twenties, I went to their house to visit, and I had um, an old Milwaukee. That's what he had in the house. <laughs> And that is one of, like, two beers that I've almost contemplated not finishing. It was awful. Oh, I love Old Milwaukee. <laughs> what? Oh, God. Oh, that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, no, there are a couple of those beers that I actually think kind of represent that mid-century American light lager, and that beer is right there. Old Milwaukee. That's the the red can, right? The red lettering. Yeah. Yep. That's the full flavor one, and then the lights like blue lettering. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. Milwaukee's best light, I think, is what it's called. No, those are two oh. different beers. Milwaukee's oh, best and Old Milwaukee are two different breweries. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah. The other, the only other beer that I contemplated not finishing was. Uh, one I bought in college, I'm pretty certain it's not made anymore um, because it, I have not seen it since. But it was a a fall seasonal from New Belgium that I think it might have been, I want to say it's called like, no, I'm confusing it with a different beer. Anyway, it was a fall beer from New Belgium. I didn't like it. It was too bitter for me at the time. And 
I'm guessing it didn't sell well because they don't make it anymore. So. It's a pretty good assumption, probably. That I don't remember. I've only had, and I don't remember if I, I talked about it on this pod or not, in the very maybe the very first episode, that strawberry beer that I had in, at a brewery in California one time. I ordered a lager, and they mispoured me, and they gave me a strawberry something or another. And it was just so sweet and so awful. I, <laughs> I literally, I drank about half of it, and I would have finished the rest because it was also a place where we were trying to get some the business at this place. And uh, so I couldn't like, you know, throw it out or complain. Uh, but luckily the guy that was with me decided to uh, help me out and drank the other half of it for me. But it's the only time I think in my life that I've ever put a beer down and went, I don't think I can drink this. It was, it was bad, bad, bad. We obviously know that I don't like super sweet stuff from that story. You like the fruity stuff, but what, do you have a specific style that you gravitate toward? Like Michael last week is a big IPA guy. Um, you know, JT gravitates a certain direction. You know, everybody kind of goes, when in doubt, try this. You know, mm-hmm. when you go to a new place, what, where do you go? I would, honestly, it's fitting for this podcast. I would say I usually try a NEPA or a hazy IPA because sometimes, like, I've been places where their sours were just so sour that you, you really have to sit the glass down and be like, holy shit. <laughs> little bit too much. Um, so I I will usually try it just because I do love fruited beer so much. But if I have to pick one beer from a place and I, I want to know that I'm probably going to like it, I will usually go the Nipah route. Okay. Well, that, that makes it easier. I certainly probably just about, Tim, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, probably everybody carries something in that line. Uh, well, we're similar to that, that line enough to, cause that's a pretty popular offshoot, right? Yeah. So at this point, I, what really kind of happened is, is breweries like Hetty Topper in, in Vermont, uh, really started making these unfiltered IPAs that were all about late edition hops. They weren't about being super bitter. We had talked last week about how there's, there's, uh, extracting the acids or letting the hop oils and aromas showcase and, and hops have those two different roles and where the West Coast IPA really kind of pushed that that acid piece and isomerizing those off acids and getting those high IBUs. The, the, the East Coast breweries like, like Hetty Topper really kind of uh, pushed more having this unfiltered uh a lot of dry hops to get a lot more of that flavor and aroma and capture a lot more of those volatiles. And that kind of took on a whole other life in these breweries like, like hoof hearted. Yes. It's supposed to be uh, a homophone for who farted hoof hearted brewery. Uh, started making these, these, uh, breweries so bad at puns. I'm going to, I'm going to have a whole other rant online about our terrible puns in, in beer, but, uh, they started making these these beers that were more like pushing like a hey look at how much we haven't filtered this like we've left everything in there to a point where I think the pendulum swung a little bit too far and now it's probably swung back to now everyone's realizing you know even breweries that had 
than traditional styles. I, you know, I noticed Boulevard, who's had their unfiltered wheat for 30 years, has started to put the word hazy on the side of an unfiltered wheat. So, which is technically true. It's not something that they would have necessarily said. They would have said it was unfiltered before. If I would love it if the style would be called an unfiltered IPA rather than the hazy IPA, but it is definitely something that because of that population, that, that popularity has really come to infiltrate the rest of the industry. Okay. Cause uh, you know, all of the different styles and stuff elude me. I'm learning them as we go here. And I suppose it's the same in Europe and everywhere else where those beers come from, you know, how different parts of the country or different parts of the continent in different directions, much like any cuisine, I suppose, with what they do with their beers. So um, that part of it's pretty interesting to me. Uh, JT. I was going to say, uh, we kind of did a, a, a desert island beer list. Uh, let's do it. I know you're a Cubs fan. Mm-hmm. If you could have, if you could have any three Cubs to share a beer with, who would they be? They can be present or past. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put Chris Coughlin, because he seems like he would be really fun to hang out with. Um, I'll put Anthony Rizzo. Um, just because I, I think, like, he's been in Chicago long enough that he's really started to come out of his shell, and I mean, he was in Des Moines for a little bit, so I've heard he can drink. So <laughs> I'm going to take those two, and... You can include broadcasters too. Javi, okay. Yeah, Javi would be fun. I wonder if he is so like spectacular just at everything else besides baseball. Like he just has so much swag. It just I'm like, do you, what's it like to live like that all the time? <laughs> yeah, like you fumble your beer, he somehow catches it no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, that would he, he'd be an interesting. He's just an interesting. It'd just be interesting to see him off the field too. What he'd be like? Because I know he had a certain reputation down here in Des Moines with the Icos, but that's Beckham is kind of young hotshot, and life hadn't really humbled him yet. But yeah, I think he's mellowed like quite a bit. They change a lot between when they're here and after they've been in Chicago for a few years. They really settle into it. Do, yeah. Do you guys do you guys remember the ball player Rod Beck from the nineties? Yeah. He used to he used to have a RV that he would park outside a right field bleacher. Yeah, so in yeah. Des Moines, my buddy and I were going to go visit him one day, and he got traded that very day. Like we were oh, getting no. ready to go, and he got traded. But yeah, yeah, he used his bathroom, which I think was probably not just because it was his bathroom. I almost wonder if he hided certain things that he got in trouble for later in his career, perhaps, and he didn't want people knowing about it. But I don't know. That's just my conspiracy theory, but. Anyway, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well, so no, well, oh, no, because he he died. They they never gave an official cause of death. But he died with cocaine and heroin in his in his bathroom. So that's probably why. But I just yeah. thought it was great that this this uh, this all star. I think he was like a three time all star pitcher. I know he made the all star team in ninety seven. Uh, he was at the Giants, I think, at the time. But yeah, I remember when he when he uh, got sent back down to the minors, and he was at the tail end of his career, and he was just this this husky old drugged out guy who would literally just sit outside. He just had an RV right outside of of 
Sec Taylor at the time and, and would just drink beer and you could literally just go over and hang out and drink beer with the guy. Yeah. And so you, uh, you want to talk about drinking beer with a cub. That was literally an opportunity <laughs> to just go drink beer with the cub. Yeah, he's got a plaque yeah, outside of uh, AT&T Park. I don't know if it's still AT&T Park, but yeah, no, the shooter was awesome. And yeah, it was well-liked by everyone. And I remember years ago, the Cubs, Chicago Cubs came to play the Iowa Cubs. And uh, he was such a nice guy, even though he was with the Chicago Cubs at that time. He actually got on the visitor's dugout to sign autographs for kids. I think he even autographed a baby uh, at one point. <laughs> but, yeah, no, the shooter was just cool as hell and just one of those guys. And there was actually a few years ago, there was a guy cub that he and his wife lived in an RV and the Adventureland parking lot because they didn't want to spend money on housing in Des Moines. I'm like, I don't blame you at all. Mm-hmm. So, but, yeah. Nicole, before we go into – to our beer, which we're going to do here in a minute. Um, tell us a little bit, what's, what writing project, what can we see from you coming? Uh, do you have anything you're working on on the Tailgate Society uh, so that when people listen to this, you know, they can go to the site, find the stuff that you've done, or, or, or something you want people to go back to that you <laughs> might be super proud of that need more people to see? Um, I wrote a piece a week, maybe two ago, um, about Sudoku puzzles, which sounds like kind of a throwback, but I've just been doing them a lot during uh, social distancing, quarantine, whatever you want to call it, um, just to kind of like turn my brain off, doing something kind of methodical, just divorced from any sort of worldly events. Um, So... If that sounds interesting, people can go back and read that. I don't have anything that I'm working on at the moment. Um, I have, like, a bunch of half ideas in my phone um, that I've sort of written out, and maybe one day I'll get around to putting them into WordPress. But it it feels like none of them really fit right now because we're in this weird place where there's, like, no sports and, you know, to write about some everyday life like the rest of this isn't happening just sounds I don't know my heart's not in it at the moment so it might be a little while but I mean I've got like 30 some articles out there so all right well cool so we're going to take a short uh, commercial break so that we can hear from our sponsor Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce and uh, we also want to make sure that uh, we plug the other pods on the Tailgate Society um, there's some really good content being done right now, um, with sports and courts and matinee baseball, and we're not that drunk and drunk dialing and culture check. And am I forgetting any? I think that's all of them, isn't it right now? Uh, we're not that Maybe. drunk. I think I said that. Uh, but anyways, yeah. check those out, subscribe on whatever podcast, uh, site you use, whether it's Stitcher, Apple, uh, podcasts or whatever. Um, I don't, one thing I did learn is my brother, uh, started listening to the pod and, uh, the Google music podcast list does not populate our stuff. Uh, you have to go find the, what is it? RSS stream to get it on that, uh, which is what he did. So you can still get us if you can do that and you know anything about what he's talking about. Cause I don't, but that's what he said. Hi, Aaron's brother. Good to talk um, to you. <laughs> Yeah, you guys don't have any idea what kind of trouble you got yourself into with that guy. But uh, we'll take this short break, and we will come back with an Elysian contact haze. 
This Tailgate Society podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Deadeye Premium Barbecue Products. Born in Iowa and made in the heartland, Deadeye is your go-to source for everything barbecue. Sauces, seasonings, you name it. They've made a science out of great grilling flavor. It's more than a sauce. Whether you're cooking sliders, dogs, steak, or chicken, Deadeye has the explosive flavor needed to make every dish delicious. Try a splash of their sweet and smoky original recipe or turn up the heat with their Magnum Edition barbecue sauce. Both flavors are available in seasonings as well as sauces. So pick your favorite and prepare your taste buds for an unforgettable eating experience. Deadeye Premium Barbecue products are available at Fairway, Hy-Vee, Amazon, or at DeadeyeBBQ.com. And welcome back to Bitter Units. Um, our beer tonight is Elysian Contact Haze. This will be the first time I've had a beer that is officially a hazy beer that I know of. So this will be interesting. Mr. Expert Tim. Tell us about Elysian. Uh, well, uh, Aaron, I would actually think that you would be at least somewhat familiar with this brewery. They are actually a Seattle brewery. They have, I believe, four different locations in Seattle, something like that. I think you're and, right. Yeah, they are a brewery that was founded in the mid-90s, so somewhere in between New Belgium, which I think we said was around 91, and Stone was around 97. I think this was like 94, 90. Five started by a few folks, but the primary driver was actually a man by the name of Dick Cantwell. He is one of those original founders, original guys in craft beer that's still in craft beer, that is still uh, trying new things. He actually left Elysian back a little while ago. So actually, Elysian is one of those breweries Dick is someone who, who left. What happened was uh, Elysian got purchased by Anheuser-Busch. They got uh, uh, an offer, and the the founders and the owners got, all got together, and he actually got outvoted. It was a very contentious thing at the time when Elysian sold to Anheuser-Busch. Uh, he was very vocal, very making it very well known that he had voted against us and he wasn't happy and he originally thought, okay, well, I'm going to try to, to stay on from the inside and make it good. Um, however, uh, he, uh, uh, he eventually ended up moving on. Um, but it, it is one of those guys that from the Pacific Northwest, one of the, their earlier and more established. So it was kind of shocking. I think this was 2000. 15, it was maybe five years ago that, uh, that Elysian sold. So it was kind of a, a big deal and, and one of those shockers. Uh, I was interested thing about, about Dick. Um, I don't know if he still is, but he was dating, uh, Kim Jordan, one of the principals at New Belgium, who we talked about last week. And, now eventually sold to, or two weeks ago, we eventually sold to to a su- subsidiary of Kieran. But it is something where it, you have these people that are the original craft beer experts and craft beer kind of grandfathers of the industry that are are battling with that sell out, don't sell out. How do we handle the the ever changing climate? So Elysian is one of those that is, has found a different way through that. The the upside of all of that though is that we're 
able to get more accessibility to a lesion than they ever would have before. Certainly the AB distribution network has been good. I don't know. Obviously, Aaron, you were able to find it pretty easy uh, in Seattle since it's literally your backyard. But JT, Nicole, I assume this was pretty easy to find as well. Yeah, the space dust is really easy to find around here. This one, I just happened to, I actually had just bought it before we were going to do it, just because I saw it on the shelf. I'm like, oh, I like this brewery. That looks pretty nice. And I kind of like the play on words with the cosmic haze. I know that kind of, you get kind of tired of the puns, but I love me some dad puns. And so I'm like, yeah, we'll rock this. And yeah, I've, since I've noticed this, I've noticed there's a lot more lesion around here in Des Moines than I realized, uh, especially at Hy-Vee's, which Hy-Vee is actually and Price Chopper, too, have done a really good job at, and even Fairway for that, our grocery stores here have done a really good job at supplying craft beer. Uh, and you go to different stores, they have different supplies. But, yeah, it, it's pretty nice. Since there's a couple beers we've tried before that aren't apparently available in Des Moines, it's nice that this one was. Yeah, you know, again, that whole kind of idea of, of selling to a, B, there are a couple of things that make it kind of extra ironic when they sold out. One was Elysian used to make a beer that was literally called Corporate Beer Still Sucks, <laughs> <laughs> which is great for, you know, local independents, something like Greg Cook and Stone would have loved, something that Michael loves the idea that they're doing this. And then the other thing that happened is literally – Right after the purchase, so in 2000, I believe it was in 2015 when they sold, and that Super Bowl in 2016, I don't know if you guys remember this, there was a Super Bowl ad from Budweiser where they were just talking about how they just make beer and they don't make a pumpkin peach ale and yada, yada, yada. Well, Elysian makes a pumpkin peach ale, so it was literally like they were just throwing their most recent acquisition right under the bus in that Super Bowl commercial. It was literally, yeah, it was literally within like four months of that purchase that they did that. Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting to see how that all shakes out. We've talked about acquisitions and mergers and all of those things in the past. Uh, thankfully, from what I can tell, Elysian has not uh, suffered anything really. And certainly... If anything, I'm certain that employees are getting paid well, if not better. Benefits have probably gotten better. There's certainly a lot of other things to it, but it has definitely been one of those things where kind of a, the acquisition thing is certainly a double-edged sword. The lesion is certainly one of the, the more obvious examples of that. Um, but all that aside... Uh, one thing that, that they have done well is they played, certainly you'd mentioned uh, Space Dust JT, is, is that they have played well in that IPA space and, and being in the Pacific Northwest, they've certainly really taken advantage of, of those hops. Uh, so let's, let's not talk about a whole lot longer. Let's just get into this. Let's go ahead and, and again, uh, so Nicole, since you're new to this, kind of the way that we do this in the podcast is we talk about uh, appearance, aroma, taste, mouthfeel, and finish. So I tend to just start off and say, you know, ask the guys, what are they? Oh, thank you, Aaron, for pouring from jacuzzi into a natural glass. I appreciate that. What, what are you seeing as, as you're, you're pouring into that? Uh, I didn't realize that I needed a glass for this. 
I do have glasses and I usually do pour from like a crowler or some sort of can into a glass because I hate the, the taste that you get from a can. But um, you guys were talking about light and stuff in your last episode, so I was like afraid to do that. I didn't want to ruin the beer since we're going to talk about it, so I left it in the can. Oh, um, yep, that's fine. But your guys look great. <laughs> it is definitely hazy. It is certainly living up to its name. You cannot see through it very well at all. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a. Looks like there's a a fog layer in it. Mm-hmm. Like I hold it up and it looks just kind of foggy, and you can almost see it moving around uh, like a fog would across a valley or something. Very poetic of me, I know. But, uh, yeah, so it's also a, a lighter color than I would have anticipated, not knowing what I was getting into here. It's a, it's a soft, uh, lighter yellow, not the darker brown to yellow of, a, of some of the other beers that we've had, but it's a it's definitely a lighter color. You know, in like low budget horror movies where they've got the mad scientist that has a jar full of random liquids, it looks kind of like that. <laughs> <That's terrible. laughs> All right. So uh, I believe in the last couple of podcasts, Aaron has called it his slimy. Oh, and- the, 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 the mouthfeel part on satire left a film. I couldn't think of the word, and all I could think of was slimy at the time. And okay, so so now that we've heard slimy and mad scientist liquid, so <laughs> for all of our listeners that have uh, <laughs> sophisticated palates, you're welcome. <laughs> We're proud to offer the service to you guys. <laughs> um, okay, so we've gone through that. Go ahead and uh, go ahead and take a sip. But what are you getting from that aroma as you, you first? Oh, yeah, waft it in, Aaron. Yes, yeah, it's a very professional. Um, it's a very, uh, to me, and I, I actually opened one and was drinking it through the first part of the podcast, but uh, it's very citrusy to me. Sure. Um, you know, that's that's what I immediately get when I smell it is that citrus, uh, I don't know, lim- almost lemony uh, to some extent kind yeah. of citrus smell. I yeah, that's great. Grapefruit? Yep. Okay. Yeah, no, I I, uh, I like that. Um, Aaron, I'm impressed by the lemony. Frankly, that's that's a that's a, the most sophisticated response you've given so far. <laughs> I didn't say it smells like beer. <laughs> All right, so go ahead and and, and uh, take a sip. Let it kind of linger on your your tongue, and and give it a second, and let me know what you're tasting. So I'll admit I cheated a little bit. I sipped this a couple minutes ago, and then read the description, and like I definitely I could tell something was different. Um, kind of in, in the middle of tasting it, besides what you would normally consider um, from a hazy beer. It wasn't just fruit or citrus or anything. So I guessed it was floral, and uh, that is what the can says, a slight floral note. So I'm proud of myself. <laughs> I was going to taste floral too, but that, <clears throat> I don't know if that's kind of a subconscious thing because I always see that on Untapped as a description of beer that gets used a lot, but yeah, there's 
like a little bit on like the side of your tongue. They're like a little bitter for a second. I noticed, but there's definitely some pineans to it. But yeah, I know if you want to know what floral tastes like, I guess this would be a good place to start. If that makes sense. But yeah, but I definitely agree with her assessment of the beer. I almost said assertion, but I don't even think that's a word, but we'll go with it. I believe it is a word, but it was okay. the wrong word at the time. Okay. Um, I get, I'm surprised that, that it's, I, I thought it would be more bitter than it is. It's, it's not, it doesn't have that bite that, say, the Stone IPA that we did last week had. Um, this is mellower on the on that that punch of the bitter um and it dissipates really quite quickly um as far as that goes you get a, a little bit of it but not it's nowhere near what like stone ipa was yeah so when we talked last week about the international bitterness units and stone ipa i think was somewhere around 70 i believe 69 or 70 uh this is actually 39 so it's pretty close to what Sierra Nevada Pale Ale was. I think that was like 36 or 34 or something like that. Honestly, Peroni even was like 28 or 29. So it's, oh. you know, it's way more closer to that end of the, of, of, of the perspective as far as the, the bitterness unit. So when you talk about bitterness, again, this style is not about bitterness. It's not about those early edition hops. It's not about the isomerization of the alpha acid. It's really all about uh, those those uh, flavor and aroma hops is really about those, those acids, kind of like what Michael talked about last week. So how about that, that mouthfeel and finish? What are you guys getting? i got to be honest. I don't think I'm sophisticated enough to really notice mouthfeel. It tastes like a liquid to me. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not, like, too thick. You know, sometimes you get those heavier, boozier beers, and they mm-hmm. become thicker. Yeah. But this just seems more like a standard weight. You know what, Nicole? That is actually a perfect way to describe that. That is you. You are absolutely sophisticated enough to do that. Yeah. Genius. Sure. I don't really know what mouthfeel is, but I'm glad I got it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, if if you think about, I can tell the difference between drinking water and drinking uh, a milkshake, or even if you drink something, you can tell that it's watered down. It's because you can tell that difference in the mouthfeel, how it plays in your tongue, how it how it uh, fills your mouth, those types of things. So for sure, uh, it is a harder thing to kind of grasp. Mouthfeel, finish, and taste are all intertwined. They're not the same thing. Certainly taste buds aren't the same thing as mouthfeel, but mouthfeel affects perception of taste, yada, 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 for sure. How about uh, uh Emily Dickinson, uh, there, Aaron, since you were so poetic before, can you? Yes. Um, <laughs> no, I actually, I, I agree. It's a, uh, it's crisper. And I suppose that has something to do with the acidity of it. And maybe it helps that I ate a whole bunch of barbacoa street tacos for dinner, <laughs> but it's really cut through that with, with an acidity. It's, I mean, it's crisp and it's, it's light. I've, I didn't know what to expect, and I've said that now a couple of times with a hazy, you know, because I've never had a hazy quote-unquote beer. Um, In this one, I don't know if this is a good representation of typical hazy beers or not, Um, but I like this beer. I would drink this beer um, because it is 
a light crisp. I think this would be a good hot summer day type of beer. GT? Yeah, I, I, I piggyback on that. This is definitely something, if it actually turns into spring and doesn't feel like fall outside, that I drink on a patio, well, my patio for now, at least for another week here in Iowa, uh, or my porch or something like that. Because, yeah, it's definitely if you're out, you know, at a baseball game or out on a picnic or something like that, or doing a barbecue, it'd be really good. Um, I guess this is the first one I've really felt in my cheeks that we've drank so far when you talk about the mouthfeel. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know why that's just something I noticed. Sure. And honestly, I can't, I can't stop staring at the can, figuring out what's going on with this artwork where a dude's face is like half <laughs> off and his brain are those zombies or what, what is going on here? Oh, he's I, I, high. It, what is that? It's, he, he's high. It's oh, a playoff okay. of contact high, contact haze. Oh, okay. But it looks like people are going to try to eat his brain or something. Maybe I watched too much Walking Dead. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. But, uh, okay. Yeah, but uh, no, it's it's one of those. It, it actually, Michael had mentioned in the last podcast uh, a beer we made it at Badger Hill uh, called Turncoat IPA, and and it reminds me a lot of that. It has mosaic and citra hops. I'm really kind of picking that out. Mosaic can be kind of uh, citrus hop, well, citra can certainly be citrus. I think this one also has. Uh, El Dorado and Sabro hops. So that's where you're getting kind of that, that grapefruit, like you mentioned, Nicole, where you're getting that, that lemon, like, like Aaron mentioned, uh, cause even a sunshine or whatever. Blind squirrel finds a nut, buddy. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, no, pineapple. I get a lot of pineapple out of this, honestly, when I drink this. Oh, that's good. I can see that. Yeah. I don't know. You say it. Yeah, um, but it is definitely one of those that definitely gets that. The whole point of this style is supposed to be juicy. A lot of times people won't call it a hazy, they'll call it a juicy. A, it, juicy, I always struggled with, like, a steak is juicy uh, and a berry is juicy, but I don't want my steak to taste like berries. So, like, what does juicy mean? But it means, like, full of kind of sweet, luscious type of flavors and, and this one definitely has that it definitely has that kind of tropical burst it's certainly not like again i'd mentioned half hearted in some of these where it's almost supposed to be like orange juice where it's almost thick we all kind of mentioned this one has more of a, a lighter mouthfeel it's not a a full mouthfeel but it definitely still kind of hits a lot of those notes this definitely feels more to me like one of those West Coast IPAs turned hazy, or even frankly, with Huddy Topper, it kind of started to do before the race to the middle turned into just a glass of orange Julius in your in, in your pint glass, which was always a struggle to me. Um, but this one definitely kind of hit some of those, but it still has enough of that that bitterness to kind of cut through all that too. 39 isn't anything to shy away from. I mentioned last week we made a, a double IPA that was 18 IBU, right? And so there was definitely more coin sweet. This one is a little bit drier, a little bit more bitter enough to kind of get through that. But yeah, I I dig this. I bought I bought two different uh, six packs of this. The first one was on a warm shelf and was a little bit older and was an oxidized mess. And I did not enjoy that at all unfortunately uh 
And if I would have done that for my first purchase of this beer, I don't know if I would have had a second. Since I've had this beer before and I knew it could be better, then I went and got a second one. And I'm much, much happier with the second six pack. Is the date on the box, do we know? Is that the date that it was made or the date that you should drink it by? On a, on a lesion, it's the date you should drink it by. Oh, it's, okay. Done. <laughs> Why, what did you say? It was May 7th. So I was like, damn, that'd be really fresh if it was made on May 7th. So yeah. well, we're yeah. a little bit late. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, mine is the, uh, I think mine says the June 20th. Okay. So Man, I got the freshest. I got July 14th. Excuse me, I, July 20th. Okay, I, have, I, have, uh, I have August 9th. Oh, so yours is even fresher than mine. What the hell? Well, I, I thought maybe I, for once I could win this competition. Well, you should, since it's literally like like a nine iron away from your house. You should be pressure. <laughs> no, I I I date code shop like a whore, so I get that. But um, yeah, this is definitely a style that because it's unfiltered probably still has a little bit of oxygen scavenging yeast which is going to help it in some ways and in other ways in general uh, Northeast IPA should be consumed as fresh as possible uh, you're just going to get oxidation of, of beta acids which is going to turn bitter you're going to get other oxidation that's going to turn into trans to non and all should taste a little kind of cardboard or sherry like uh, this is definitely one of those things you want to drink fresh but I'm really happy that I went and got that second six pack because that first six pack was was no bueno yeah so well awesome I think uh, to recap uh, drink this beer it's good beer yes um, <laughs> you know I, I don't think we have anybody dissenting on this one that uh would say don't drink this beer. Um, so get out there, try Elysian Contact Haze. Anything we touched on, anybody wants to cover? Nicole, you want to shout out uh, anybody or where people can find you again or if you want more Twitter followers or anything you want to say before we get out of here? Sure. My Twitter handle is at Nicole 2 the number two at the end because someone else says Nicole Um so, yeah, that's, that's mostly where I'm active. I tweet, but not too often. I feel like I try to hit that balance between you see me in your feed, but not so much that I hopefully I don't annoy anyone. Um, so less see. than Tim. I was going to say, I feel like that was a, <laughs> I feel like that was a shot. Everybody has a couple of mutuals that they're like, damn, I love this person or I know them in real life, but like maybe not every thought needs to be a tweet. But no, I was not calling out anyone on this yeah. podcast whatsoever. <laughs> None of you guys makes, are that bad. <laughs> that's what makes the snooze button on Facebook so great. For thirty days you don't see anything and you're still friends. I wish I wish you had someone on Twitter, but you can just mute for a while, which I've certainly done. But yeah, awesome. So uh, mute until like this game is over. Yes. over. <laughs> mute anyone trying to ruin part of the uh, Last Dance documentary if you're a couple minutes behind. Mm, yeah. So well, great, uh, Nicole. We sure appreciate you coming on uh, with us. We are happy to have you and. Uh, you know, it's uh, 
good to sit here and do this. Hopefully everybody's enjoying the pod. Uh, remember to check out the other pods on the Tailgate Society at thetailgatesociety.com. All of them available on your local um, podcast network of choice, whatever that happens to be. Uh, you know, podcasts are local. Hey, it's locally on your phone. Shut up. Um, for most people. So it's right there all the time. That doesn't get more local than that. Um, Apple, Stitcher, whatever else there is out there uh, for podcasts, hit it there. Uh, it's uh, brought to you by Dead Eye Barbecue Sauce once again. Uh, we really appreciate those guys putting up with us, letting us do this. Uh, local e-market dot com, deadeyebarbecuesauce.com, amazon.com, local fairways and hives if you're in the Midwest. And uh, next time, we don't have a beer selected yet, so we'll let you know on Twitter. And uh, we don't have a guest lined up yet. We did. We don't now. And we're going to fix it, and we'll let you know. So make sure you follow me at Aaron L. Wall on Twitter or JT and Tim. You guys shout out your Twitters, and we'll get on out of here. I'm at JT the Nut, so pretty simple. Tim Johnson, MN. All right. Well, thanks again, and we will see you next time on the next edition of Bitter Units.